Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. Doncic off the handoff from Richardson. Jazz get confused. Doncic wide open hits the three. Ron, this is not unfortunately, this is the concern on the load that Royce O'Neal is under. Doncic. Working in rhythm. Swings up top. Hardaway Jr. Deep three. Perfect at the buzzer. Dallas leads by 18 at the end of three. 87-69 on the Jazz Radio Network. Brunson double stagger left to right. Luka's off the floor right now. And without Chris Daps, they've had a hard time struggling this year, scoring with this team on the floor. Finney Smith driving out to Richardson. His three is good. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, Richardson looks- is five for five from three tonight. For us, we're a team that, that I think over the year has has grown a lot in, in the ability not to get too high or too low, no matter if we're winning nine in a row or losing two in a row or three in a row. Like we we know not to let that, you know, stick around too long in our minds. You know, we have to continue to move on. We have to continue to learn. Like I said, tonight was a, a great test, a team that, that really changed up the way that they played a little bit on us uh, from the last two times we played. And um, and, and we have to move on from it and keep our minds focused on the next the next task, the next challenge. So I think we'll be fine. I think that, you know, guys understand what we're, we're capable of doing. Um, and, and we're just going to try to hope to eliminate as, as many nights like we had tonight um, and just keep shooting that ball. All right, Gordon, uh, Jazz winning streak over. They lose to Dallas 111-103. to um, Jazz did not play very well. They did not shoot very well. And the Mavericks uh, had performances that were kind of out of the ordinary for some of their guys, too. And that was a recipe for a Jazz loss. But I thought it was interesting in the postgame, Donovan Mitchell said, you know, to, he almost not – don't get me wrong, he wasn't uh, – he wasn't making an excuse, but he said, for us only to lose by eight with the way we played. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> like, and it, it was kind of right because it just, they didn't play very well. And the the defense held except for a little bit in the third quarter, and they just really couldn't get it going. And then at the beginning of the fourth, they, they, uh, they had trouble uh, getting stops against the Mavericks when they absolutely needed them. And then it was too late. Well said. And let, look, this is – I know this is one game, one game on the schedule, long season, all that. So all of that we understand. But what happened with the Jazz last night is what doubters – and by doubters, I'm not talking about – I'm not talking about critics. I'm talking about – even Jazz fans are afraid of that the Jazz will fall into a shooting slump and not be able to perform the way that they have in so many games this season against quality teams when the games really matter, namely the playoffs. You know, Royce O'Neal goes over, over eight uh, from three and uh, in total. Donovan Mitchell six to twenty-three, over eight from three. I mean, those are and and Jordan Clarkson really struggled uh, from three, two of nine. And that three-pointer has been so effective for the Jazz in creating their success. And I know that people like uh, David Locke have, have said, don't pay much attention to certain percentages and whatnot. But that three-point percentage is really important. It's vital to the Jazz to do better than hit 27%. 12 of 44, that's going to kill this team. They, they can't overcome that. If they shoot like that, I don't think their defense – 
I'm not sure that their defense can keep a minute against a really quality opponent. Uh, real so, quick, just to clarify David's point on the on the stats, he doesn't like field goal percentage. Right, He's right. fine with three-point percentage. In fact, yeah, that's I, why it, he prefers effective field goal percentage, right. which is the combination but, of the but two. But it's a, bl- it's a blend of the two. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, anyway, it did not go well for the Jazz last night. And if they find themselves in a situation where they're going up against a tough opponent, and I'm not sure how tough the Mavs are, I mean, Porzingis didn't play. They've, uh, they've, they've. That this is their fifth win in a row, so they're playing better now. But that, that was. That, those are the kinds of showings that I think cause create some concern with some Jazz fans about whether this team can maintain what they've done so often this season. Uh, again, I realize it's one game, so maybe if the two teams played again tomorrow, it would be totally different. And, and, and if it is, then, then it is, and nothing to worry about for Jazz fans. But if this is a susceptibility on the part of this team, that that's not good news. And so, I, you know, it was, it was interesting to just watch the Mavs beat the Jazz at their own game. So I think the Jazz uh, are allowed to have a bad game, and I think they did. Uh, they have the three longest win streaks in the NBA this year. One of which came to an end last night. So, I mean, that's that's pretty consistent high level performance. Yeah, it is, and it and is. I think they're afforded to to have a night where they're. So, do you think it means anything? Well, here's the thing with the with the Mavericks is I didn't come away all that impressed with the Mavs to be honest. I mean, I don't know how much better Porzingis actually makes them. Luca's unstoppable. Don't get me wrong. But, He's so good. But they they took it took some Josh Richardson going five for five for three. That doesn't happen. That's an anomaly. Dorian Finney-Smith had 23 points on 5 of 12 shooting. That's the that's the best that guy's ever shot. There's a reason that the Jazz left him wide open at the beginning part of the game. And so, you know, there, there was some stuff that uh, that happened. I mean, Brunson, 4 for 7. I mean, Brunson was really good. That Dallas had some extraordinary performances from some guys that don't necessarily do that. On the other hand, I think, you know, the Jazz bench has consistently shown over this season to be pretty darn reliable, and they weren't good against the Mavericks. The bench, the bench wasn't good when that unit was in. Um, they didn't have their typical success because usually they're really, really good, and they just weren't last night. And, and again, plus-minus doesn't tell uh, the entire story, but if you look at the Jazz in plus-minus, all the starters are in the plus, and all the bench guys are significantly in the minus. And there were some moments, so, some, cri- some critical moments in that game, uh, Jake. For instance, when, uh, when, that, uh, when, when the Jazz what, – what was the circumstance? The Jazz, uh, Rudy Gobert – hit a couple of free throws. They cut it to within single digits. And and then they uh, then Joe Ingles uh, had that foul that he picked up, and he stepped out of bounds. And next thing you know, the Mavs are hitting their shots consecutively, and that, that lead got stretched to 18 real quick, and it was over. The game was over at that point. So, there, you know, I mean, there's – yeah, you bring up a good point, Jake. The Jazz deserve to be able to have <laughs> an off night here and there. But it just makes me wonder a little bit if they run into a team that really causes them some problems from that three-point line. I wonder whether they're going to be able to overcome that. 
Well, I mean, I think they've got a, as good a chance as anybody. So I, I think the way that they've played this year, if they can take that into the playoffs, I think it'll be very effective. I don't know how often Donovan Mitchell is going to go six of twenty-three from the field. And Not very often. Three. I mean that he he looked uh, discombobulated, and uh, yeah. So, I mean, Royce O'Neal's not going to go zero for eight from three. I mean that doesn't happen very often. And they were leaving Royce open, and it worked for him. So in this season, when we have broken down the Jazz's uh, offensive effectiveness versus their defensive effectiveness. You think it was mostly the offense that went awry last night, and you're not blaming the defense or lack of defense uh, in that game? Actually, not entirely, because they didn't get the stops when they needed to get the stops. They weren't bad last night defensively, but when they needed them, they didn't get them. And here, if you if you give me a second, I'll give you I'll give you the exact parameters of what I'm talking about here. Okay. Um, I, yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying. Also, it seems like the Jazz really struggled to get into early offense. You know, and uh, that's something that you know it's not it's not something that they do uh, over and over again and make a regular habit of outscoring their opponent that way. But they, it's a pretty important part, a pretty important component to to what they do, and they struggled in that regard. Well, it was incredible. Incre- that's an incredibly important part of what they do. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, all right, so here's here's where the defense failed them, all right? Um, between the 4.30 mark of the third quarter and the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter, um, Dallas scored on 16 of 18 possessions, Ooh. meaning Utah had just two stops in that nine-and-a-half-minute stretch. And if you recall, at the beginning of the fourth quarter is when the shots actually started going down for a second. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Conley was doing some damage, and things looked like maybe the Jazz would start making a few, and they just couldn't get any stops on the other end. Yeah. So even yeah. when they were getting shots to go down, the, the timing of the defensive failure was was particularly damaging in this circumstance. So let, let me ask, uh, I asked you, let me ask our listeners and just sort of a rhetorical question here. Did that game last night give you pause? Or do you feel like it means nothing? You know, what if you had to pick one or the other, does it cause concern for you as a fan do you see a weakness with the Jazz, or do you think it's just a little blip in the, on the radar in April, early April, that really won't matter much when the postseason comes? Around? It certainly didn't change my opinion, I'll tell you what. And, and hey, brace yourself for some more inconsistent performances. I was hearing Locke talk about this today, and I totally agree with him, and I bet you we see it league-wide. They're playing so many games and so many nights, there's going to be some random duds for everybody. Nights where all of a sudden they, they're just like against Portland, Gordon will be the Jazz fifth game in seven nights and the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah. So there's going to be some built-in stuff where, where teams just don't have it. And I don't, and know if, I don't know if last night was an example of that, don't get me wrong, but I bet the, the, the pace that they're playing games at, I bet we see that a lot across the board. You know, Jake, that's, interesting. that's a real interesting point because I think we've already seen that in the earlier part of the season. And yeah, not so, I don't disagree. Not, so, yeah. not so much afflicting the Jazz, but certainly a lot of other teams have. There have been some pretty strange scores and outcomes we've seen through this season, and maybe that's just the nature of of, of this particular year. Right. 
Right. So, you know, maybe last night was one of those. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. We can we can debate it. But I I think we'll see some inconsistent performances out of everybody, including the Jazz. Uh, you know, that's that Portland game is going to be rough. And, and Phoenix is going to be a challenge. This is a, a situation where uh, it wouldn't be inconceivable to see the Jazz lose three straight games here. No, it certainly would not. Timmy tried to back tap the rebound. It goes into the hands of Davion Mitchell of Baylor. Three on two as Mitchell gallops end to end layup. Good. 55-41. Baylor back up by 14. Eight to shoot. Mitchell to work. Baylor fans chanting BU as Mitchell drives in and lays it off the window. 84-65. Davion Mitchell. Patience. Finish. Patterson will put the brakes on and dribble this one out. And the Baylor Bears do indeed bear down to knock off the unbeaten Gonzaga Bulldogs and claim the school's first men's basketball championship and just the second men's basketball title in the history of the state of Texas. Baylor 86, Gonzaga 70. Wire to wire winner for the Baylor Bears national champions in 2021 it's a big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 1280 the zone it's total request tuesday give us your songs that talk about winning or being the best at something at austin <laughs> horton because i won i won uh Doesn't our, mean you're the best you just won i i won on our show's bracket challenge i was in the top 100 for the entire thing with all our listeners i felt pretty good about that Significantly better than you and Austin. Not until last night. Well, it's the game that mattered the most, man. Got it right. Saw it coming. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> he's, Austin, he's going to be impossible to live with now. I mean, he, I got to tell you though, I honestly now. watching uh, yeah, now <laughs> watching that game. I thought um, it, it was actually very similar to to my thoughts when I was right about the Super Bowl, uh, and that you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <just> props <laughs> that in there. Nice. Baylor got uh, all over Gonzaga early, and it was one of those things like, a, you know, I remember the time that BYU got up on the Bulldogs early, and he thought, you know what, they're they're capable of erasing any lead at uh, any time. And then Baylor, time. and Baylor kept it up in the second half. They kept pouring yeah. it on and playing really hard, and, and Gonzaga didn't. They deserve a ton of credit. But I did not think, let me put it this way, if Baylor were beating another team like that, I would have thought it was over. With Gonzaga, I thought they could erase a lead here. I thought it was over because the difference between BYU and Baylor is Baylor was so superior athletically. And that, that looked so evident that I, you know, it looked like to me, remember cartoons when one guy is like holding his, he got the stiff arm out and the other one is is trying to churn toward him and it, it just his, his legs are spinning around and he's just standing in one place so Baylor just holding Gonzaga away and there was nothing Gonzaga could do about it well last night All right. so that was that case. was a lousy analogy I was admit, but, not I mean, one of but, your better ones yeah no probably not but anyway it, it, it was it was it was over I thought that game was over because they're not only, like I said earlier, Baylor was superior athletically, speed-wise, quickness, uh, efficiency. And Gonzaga's a good team. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rip Gonzaga or anything, uh, but, but they just couldn't stay with that team. 
Uh, it couldn't keep up with them. No, nope. I didn't think there was going to be any miraculous comeback. Well, eventually, of course, uh, Gordon, I, you know, with with three minutes to go, I didn't think Gonzaga was going to come storming back. <laughs> but at halftime, I thought it could have been a, a game down the stretch. Certainly. All right. It didn't turn out that way. And uh, hey, props to Baylor, man. That team is good. I haven't watched Baylor a whole lot this year. Have you guys kept a track of the Bears all year long? Yeah, they've been uh, consistently awesome. I mean, and that's yeah, why I know it they've sucked, been good. Uh, that's why it, it sucked so bad when the original game between those two teams was canceled yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in the fall. But, you know, they, they, lost to, uh, they lost to Kansas, was their lone regular season loss in Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament. And uh, um, Oklahoma State was a good basketball team. I had picked Oklahoma State to go to the Final Four. But, yeah, Baylor was, was pretty dominant all year. Yeah. I was impressed. I mean, everything they did seemed to work. And everything that the uh, – it, it was weird to see Gonzaga kind of – I don't want to use the word crumble, but they, 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 they double-clutched. I mean, they looked like – you know what it looked like? And this is probably unfair, but I, I'm going to say this and you tell me if I'm wrong. It looked like Baylor came from a better conference than Gonzaga did. It looked like Baylor had fought the wars and and been better prepared uh, to, to, to win a game like that last night. And Gonzaga looked relatively weak, skilled, but relatively weak compared to the Bears. Is That, uh, that might be unfair. I, I'm not sure, is it? That seems like a bit of a leap to me. Okay. I mean, if you want to make an argument that WCC isn't as good as the Big 12, I'm, I'm with you. But if you're making an argument that that's the reason that Gonzaga lost, uh, I don't know if I'm there. All right. Well, I, I'm not. I, 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 Baylor's I mean, the whole team. world was picking Gonzaga going into this game. Yeah, true. I mean, that wasn't a problem yesterday. But I'm believing the evidence I saw last night. It changed my mind. So now a game played in uh, January matters. Uh, in what, what? What do you mean? You said uh, a, a game in January prepared Baylor better than a game in January prepared not, not Gonzaga. One not one game, a whole slate of games. Hmm. Now I'll respond with a grunt. I'm going to pull a Gordon. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, maybe that's maybe that's unfair. Maybe, maybe, maybe Baylor's just a better team and was ready to go last night. Gonzaga wasn't, but I think Baylor is the superior team, and I think if they played ten times, uh, Baylor would probably would win a majority of them. Now, if you want to make an argument that Gonzaga had to give it everything they had in the tank just to get into the championship game, and maybe came out flat as, as a result, I could buy into that. Yeah, but who's the better team, UCLA or Houston? Um. Probably Houston, but the way Baylor won, it wasn't, you know, a lot of emotion poured into that Gonzaga right. uh, win. Right. A lot I of effort. Who, they but, went to overtime, a lot fault? of emotion. But whose fault was that? That was Gonzaga's fault. What does that matter? I'm, I'm talking about if it, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm talking about if it mattered. <laughs> okay. Whose fault well, is right. that? They, I, don't, they, I don't know. They, the the scorekeepers? <laughs> they did expend a lot of energy, I'm sure. And emotional energy in the way that game uh, ended against the Bruins. And not an excuse for losing the whole game, but 
you know, coming out flat, I think that that could have had something to do with it. Because Gonzaga certainly came out flat. Yeah, they were down. Yeah, well, they were down what, like, like twelve? What was it? Nine nothing or something like that before they actually yeah. got on the board. Uh-huh. I mean, so it took them a minute to get engaged into the game, and then Baylor had a consistent, you know, really high performance rate throughout the game, and Gonzaga just couldn't overcome it. It was. <laughs> They look good, man. Baylor look good. You know, this is kind of a weird little thing that I pay attention to that probably nobody else does. But if UCLA had gotten past Gonzaga to get into the championship game, do you realize it would have been the Bears against the Bruins? Um, you know, I guess I had not thought about that, but it certainly would not be our first uh, mascot on mascot when we had the same. Didn't we have the... <laughs> We had well, Villanova, uh, Wildcats against uh, oh no, not Villanova, but uh, Arizona, Kentucky years ago. That was the one I'm thinking. Of. That was in the '90s. Yeah, I thought we had one not that long ago with the Tigers or something. Clemson and Auburn. No, anyway, I'm probably uh-huh. just inventing things. I just didn't mean to derail the conversation. You did though. Just, you did. I'm, I'm sorry. By what a you know what a interesting observation about something that didn't happen. Well, as our guy Steve Brown says, what's the lifespan typically of a black bear in the wild? Shout out to our guy Steve Brown. What's the difference between a bear and a Bruin? Oh, here we go. No, what's the difference? Uh, Google might know. The name? It's another word for it. I've always Googled. What's the difference between writer and columnist? Columnist expresses opinion. But is also a writer. Yeah, Bruin is a folk name for bear. There you go. Oh. Especially the brown bear or Ursus Arctos. I see. I hate this. Sentence. All right. We'll have more coming up it next. Says Stay here, tuned. It says here that the bear is uh, the difference. This is the, Someone asked the question, what's the difference between a bear and a Bruin? A bear is a large carnivorous mammal related to the dog and raccoon, having shaggy hair, a very small tail, and flat feet. A member of the family, something or other, particularly of subfamily, while Bruin is a folk name for a bear, especially the brown bear. Is that what you read? That us? sounds pretty familiar yeah. there. Yeah. That Ur- sounds, versus, uh, uh, I don't know, I hadn't pre-read it, but I've, I've always Googled. <laughs> Well, that's interesting from this standpoint, because the University of California, they're the Bears, right? The University of California, Los Angeles, is a Bruin. It's interesting because the University of California, they're the Bears, and the University of California, L.A., or UCLA, they're Bruins. Just now noticing this, huh, Gordo? They're part part of the same. You just got to the bottom of that one, huh? Part of the same universe. (laughs) going to copy everything you say. Surprised it's taking you this long to, to notice it. Didn't you live down there? You think this is something you would have picked up? I lived in California. I never did a study of the uh, of the uh, of the mascots. No, the no, no. Oh, okay. I just happened to do it right now. This Sunday's column. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no way. This anyway, only waste our time. Did you ever it. know that uh, the two schools in the California <laughs> University system both have bear mascots? Don't like they all? <laughs> no. You see Santa Barbara, aren't they the gauchos? 
Uh, yes. Yes, they are the gauchos. And Stanford is a tree. Right. No, well, no, no. But the, it's, the uni- it's the university system. But there's two university systems in California. It's like the California yeah, Cal- University Cal- and the University of California. No, it's it's the University of California and it's Cal State. So there you go. The more you know. And, and don't. And if you are, if you went to a, a UC school, don't ever, don't ever confuse the two because that that would be somehow disparaging to the UC folks because they're a little more. Uppity, that kind of thing. Thank you for the the brilliant insight into the California. Well, you know, structure. if you go down, if you go down the four hundred five and yeah. you turn left on. Uh-huh. All right. <clears throat> I love LA. More. Why would anybody possibly care about this? Coming up next, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? 